As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You have to replace judgment with curiosity. The parents who find success with managing screen time for themselves and their families are the ones who pick one thing at a time, the low-hanging fruit, and they don't try to change everything all at once. I'm Allie Wolf, an Emmy-winning journalist and mom. I love interviewing women and experts who inspire us to create fulfilling lives and careers while embracing the messy and beautiful reality of being a mom. This is the Mom's Calling Podcast. Welcome back to Mom's Calling. I was so excited to tackle this topic of screen time on the show because it is such a difficult thing to navigate as a parent. It's hard because it's new. We did not grow up with these addictive phones, social media apps, and of course, TV and movies that are endlessly on demand on every single device. It is hard to avoid screens, but that's what's recommended for babies and even harder to control as children get older. As a parent, we often wonder when is it okay to introduce screens and how much is too much among many other questions. So for this challenging and complicated topic, I have an incredible guest to guide us, Emily Churkin. She is the screen time consultant, an internationally recognized consultant who has worked with families and schools over the last 15 years. Emily's a former classroom teacher and current parent. She helps families go from tech overwhelmed to tech intentional. She is legit. She's been featured on the Today Show twice, Good Morning America and the New York Times. She's also working on a book about tech intentional parenting in the digital age. Now, Emily brought so much knowledge, perspective, and advice that I couldn't really cut a word. Instead of letting this episode get to over an hour long, I split it up into two parts because there were two distinct parts of our conversation. On episode one, which you're listening to today, we discuss how our relationship with screen time as parents affects our children from day one, essentially. Also, what we can do about it to pull back our screen time habits. We also talk about the introduction of screens to babies and toddlers and why not all devices are created equal. Emily does not believe in parental controls or limiting screen time completely. She believes in being tech intentional. Her message really resonates. And after this conversation, I made changes and became much more mindful about tech and screens in my home. I really hope this interview has the same effect on you. Before we get to it, I just want to say next week, we are going to get into social media smartphone use, and why Emily believes this big tech moment we're in now is our big tobacco moment. She also talks about her business and how she got it featured on all those incredible news outlets. Enjoy. 
Hi, Emily. Welcome to Mom's Calling. I have so many questions for you on screen time today. So I'm so good to have you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It's my pleasure. You are the screen time consultant, which is such a really cool and very important thing to do. How did you get there? Let's hear your story of how this kind of evolved to where your career started and how you got to where you are today. Yes. Well, I am a teacher by training. So I actually have been, well, I was a classroom teacher for 12 years and I started, it was my first job out of graduate school and I work in a middle school. And one of the things that was in 2003. So, you know, this is really early digital life. Most people didn't really have any sort of phones or devices because it wasn't something kids and families really used or had. And by the time I left the classroom 12 years later, almost every single one of my students had a smartphone. And somewhere in the middle there, you know, there were kids that might've had a flip phone earlier on. And it was because their parents were very worried, wanted to keep tabs on them. And the kids were embarrassed about it. That's what's so amazing to me now is like in just that 10 year period, these kids went from being embarrassed about having it to, well, I have to have it because everyone else does. It changed so quickly. And one of the things I noticed as a teacher was the kids would come into the classroom and say things like, Oh, well, of course this was Facebook days when kids were on Facebook because now they wouldn't be caught dead on Facebook, but they would say things like, oh, you know, there was a party and someone posted a picture and I wasn't invited. Well, that's FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. And that's so normal for middle school. I know all of us have like a story of middle school and we just missed out on something and it's very developmentally normal. But the problem was for these students, they were now seeing evidence of their being left out and it was consuming their emotional focus and energy. And like, they've come into the classroom talking about it. And so we started talking and I, as a teacher, I felt like, okay, this is a teachable moment. I get to like ask them questions, talk about it. And I was like, I don't think this is a good thing. I don't think this is healthy. And I got a little preachy probably with them. Like you shouldn't do this. And they pushed back. And I loved my students. They were like, Emily, it's our parents. Our parents are on their phones all the time. Our parents are playing Candy Crush. Our parents are on Facebook. They're texting and driving. It's not us or not just us. And I thought, oh, this is a parenting challenge. This is not a kid problem. So that led me to really start thinking about how can I help parents? Because I really believe that when parents know better, we do better and we raise healthier, happier kids. And so I know how difficult this issue has become. And I think the pandemic made it even more of a challenge for parents, but I really believe that there are things parents can do. <laughs> so that's kind of how I went from you know yes. teaching to screen time consultant. How did you make that transition to, because you clearly saw that this was a big issue and you, I mean, I bet you didn't even realize how big it would become up until now, but right. how did you go from a teacher who spots an issue or a problem to okay, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my career right. to this. That's a great question. So I started to talk to the parents like at back to school night and I would do a little presentation about my curriculum and what I was going to teach. And I'd start talking about this and they had so many questions. They wanted to know like, well, you know, what, do, what are my kids listening to? What's the music? What's the apps? What are they doing? And it was still very early smartphone days, right? So this was like 10 years ago at this point or even early social media days. And I realized okay, I want to do more of this. So life has a way of throwing um, speed bumps in the way. And I decided initially that I was really interested in the media messaging. So like advertising, music, and of course, again, early social media, I was like, this is really going to be influencing kids' opinions and perspectives and confidence levels. So how can I take what I'm teaching and help educate children and parents about it. And so I, I actually, I haven't even told the story to that many people. I decided to start a business. This was back in 2017. 
I, I actually built a website. I even got my LLC called Empathedia, where empathy meets media. And I had this whole idea about just kind of putting that out there as an educational resource. And one week after we launched the website, I was in a car accident. And there is nothing like <laughs> a literal car accident to sort of make you go, oh, I need to really reevaluate what's important and how I spend my time. And what was so interesting about the accident was I had a brain injury, a uh, thankfully not a super severe one, but enough that it impacted my vision. So that's why I wear glasses today, actually. It's not because I'm old. <laughs> I like to say that. Um, <laughs> but what was shocking to me in the process was learning that the doctors were telling me to not look at my phone and not be on my computer in order to heal. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. You're telling me <laughs> that my brain injury will be made worse by spending more time on screens. And there were a lot of reasons, right? It wasn't just, you know, it was the time, it was the closeness, it was the bright light, all of those reasons. But that was really an aha moment where I thought, oh, this is a brain related challenge too. Like we've got to be learning about it ourselves and educating other parents about it. So it helped me kind of pull back and think about how can I offer what I do as a service and reinvent my business. Did, that didn't happen for another year because it took me a while to kind of get back on my feet. Okay. All right. But then you ultimately decided that you were going to be a consultant and that you were going to have a service. And so I'm curious how your personal outlook on screen time and your relationship, because yeah. you're also a parent. So, you know, what is sort of your philosophy on yeah. screen time and tech and social media and kind of how does that reflect into your business? Yes. Thank you for asking. That's a really good question because I really don't, I always say to parents, I'm not anti-technology. I'm tech intentional. Like this is the phrase I use all the time. And it's, to me, it's about balance, right? That a little bit's okay. A lot is too much. And I really think that if families want to think and talk about screen time and limit setting, it really starts with the parents. Like we have to talk about our own use. We have to look at what we're doing. And that's not to say we can't or shouldn't use it, but we have to be intentional about it. And so, so to me, that's an incredibly important foundational piece of, of the work I do. And I do believe also that it is about relationships. So even though I talk about screen time, none of the rules are going to work. None of the limit setting is going to stick if you don't have a good connection to your child. And so even for parents of very young children, babies, it starts now, day one, you know, is that connecting and the connection can be interfered with by parental screen use, right? And again, I do not say this to shame parents because there's plenty of mommy shaming out there. And I will say this, and I'm a parent who struggles with screen time and I'm literally the screen time consultant. I have a 13 year old and a 10 year old now. And I, every day there is a conversation at least, sometimes there's a conflict, but my, my kids have had screen time and I have gotten strict about it and I've gotten loose about it and I've tried different things and that's normal, that's parenting. And we have to be able to do those things because it helps us know what works and what doesn't. But it really does come down in my mind to the relationships and being intentional. Yes. And I saw you uh, quoted this, I think on social media that you said, I don't recommend parental mm. controls. I recommend parenting. And I love that because I even think about, you know, you talked about the parent's cell phone use. I've tried to cut back with the controls, but those don't work for me because if I really want to check things, I can just bypass it. So, I yeah. so I guess that kind of it clicked for me when I heard it in that mm. way. What do you recommend 
or I guess we should go back and talk about how we can control ourselves. Cause you kind of touched yeah. on this is that, you know, children kind of mirror our behaviors. And if we're on our phone all the time, it's going to seem so normal to them. So yeah. how do you get the parent to cut back and get the parent to improve their relationship? Cause I assume that is an essential step. Yes. Yes. One thing I say all the time to parents is you have to replace judgment with curiosity for yourself. We, and we have to start there. It's okay to admit that you are addicted to your phone and that you are away on, on your social media or computer too much. It's okay. Mm -hmm. That's a starting point. So then we have to think about what do we want to change and how do we do that in really small baby steps? Because change takes time. And, you know, the parents who find success with managing screen time for themselves and their families are the ones who pick one thing at a time, the low hanging fruit, and they don't try to change everything all at once because it backfires, right? It doesn't work mm -hmm. for any of us. So I do a lot of little short videos. So I put them on social media and I think they're on my YouTube channel as well, but like they're called, I call them my tech intentional tips. So they're just little one-off 30 second minute long things about we, what we can do in our day-to-day day -day lives as adults to kind of pay attention to it. And one of my favorite tips, which I think is like, it's my favorite one. <laughs> it's this idea of living your life out loud. So as we are using our devices, we're narrating it. We just talk out loud about what we're doing. So I'm reaching for my phone. I'm going to look at Instagram. I'm going to see what this is doing. I'm going to check a recipe. I'm looking at the weather. We just talk it out loud, even to our babies. I mean, I'm totally serious here. That doesn't matter how old your kids are. There are benefits to this because they're going to grow up and see, right? There's a quote, like where attention goes, energy flows. They're going to see our eyes on that phone and they are going to want it. And even little kids, right? They watch, they know, Ooh, mommy's phone looks like a lot of fun and she holds it a lot. So I might want to see what mommy's doing. Right. Yes. So we have to be really intentional again about how we're using it around them. But if we're narrating it, we're also teaching them how we use it as a tool, a toy, a distraction, an entertainment device, a camera, a calendar. There are so many things that our phone is that it's not like old school phones, right? I mean, it's, I always say it's a multi-tool, not a, not a jackknife, you know, it's just like, it's a Swiss army knife. It's got all these things on it. So how do we help our kids see that? And then there's value in talking about how it makes us feel. So you might say like, oh, I'm just, I'm scrolling through Instagram. It's gotten late. I don't want to be doing this. I feel terrible about it, or I'm not going to sleep well, which PS was me last night, right? I, I'm again, I don't presume to have all of the answers because I'm learning too, but I do know that there are small things that we can do. And I do feel that I have a lot of empathy for families going through this because it's hard. It's hard for adults. So why would we think it's easy for kids, right? Like that's, that's the other big part of it. If it's hard for us. Yeah. And I think it is really hard. And I think for parents, it's probably going to be harder to undo your habits than to teach because you can't, teach anything if you're not doing it. So, oh, exactly. Uh, exactly. Do you have any small tangible things that can be done? Like I'll give one example of, I started putting my phone on the charger at like right after my daughter goes down and then it stays there. So I don't know if yes. you have any other kind of techniques that can be good habit kind of to kickstart you into being yes. more intentional. That's great. One of my other ones that I like, I mean, this is other people say this as well, but like it phones out of the bedroom. I mean, if mm -hmm. it's in your, you know, if it's charging next to your bed at night and everybody says, well, it's my alarm clock. Well, alarm clocks are a lot cheaper than iPhones. So you can really make that change pretty quickly. Catherine Steiner O'Dare wrote a book called the big disconnect. And it's, it's, 
it's over 10 years old now at this point, but one of the things she talks about is which way do you roll in the morning? And if our devices are right next to us, then that's the thing we're going to move to. That's it's designed to hook our attention. But what about our toddler who might've crawled in bed at night or our partner, right? Like those are the people in our life who mean a lot. So we, ha- it really forces us immediately in the morning to make a choice about what yes. we're going to put our en- energy and emphasis towards. So that's a good one. I love the idea of, you know, only using your phone in the charging station. So even if you put it there at night and you want to check it, you have to use it standing up where it is because it's Mm -hmm. less comfortable. I also highly recommend turning off all notifications and everybody goes, what? No, but, and I include text messages in this. And the reason is, I mean, look, I'm sitting here, my phone's here, my computer's there. I don't miss things because the sad truth is that really, it's never that far from me. So But the advantage is it doesn't interrupt you when you're either working or concentrating or talking to someone, you know, how many times do we notice our kids' behavior gets worse when we're on our phones Mm -hmm. because they're working so hard to get our attention. So if we can, again, turn off that notification, if my husband, I love this quote, my husband always says, texting is giving someone who's not even in the room permission to interrupt you. Well, Mm. a toddler is going to be like, um, how did that person get your attention? I'm going to work even harder. I'm going to throw this tantrum right now till you give me your attention back. And it's not fair to them. They don't understand that. And so we can be intentional about that too. We can turn off the vibrating and the dinging and just say like, okay, I hear you. I see you. We're talking. And then we can go and now live our life out loud. I'm reaching for my phone because I think, you know, my aunt Susan texted, right. That can help. And it's all these little, I mean, awareness is really the first piece, right? Like yeah. admitting, admitting you have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but I think like, even just talking about it now, I'm thinking, Oh, some of my habits have slipped up. And I think anybody listening to this will realize this is a good time to just kind of check yourself. Okay. Before we continue with the show, I want to talk a little about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressure to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique and what works for someone else doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work toward goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track. Personalized lessons help you gain confidence and practical knowledge. One-on-one coaching and a cognitive behavioral approach teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program and more than 60% that engage with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. That's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. Yeah. Let's go to babies yes, and sure. talk early screen time. I have some friends who say no screen time before two and they're really strict on it. Some who put melon on, which I think is a whole nother story. So I'm curious, do you think that having these rules and restrictions are beneficial for babies or how do you think about introducing screens to babies? And I guess it comes in different forms with like FaceTime, yes. um, shows and movies yes. and things like that. Love that. Yes. So many things there. 
first of all, I, I really believe it's always good to have boundaries about everything, right? Obviously for babies and toddlers and 16 year olds, it's going to look really different. Mm -hmm. But the reality is we all have phones, devices, and tech around us. So it has to start early in terms of the conversation. Living your life out loud, as I said, can happen with babies. When, one question I got all the time during the pandemic was like, what about FaceTiming with grandma? Does that mm -hmm. count as screen time? No, even the American Academy of Pediatrics says no, FaceTiming with relatives doesn't count. Mm -hmm. And I would make a joke like, well, look, you're really not FaceTiming with grandma four hours a day, right? You might have right. like a five minute phone call or even a 20 minute phone call. And what's happening is even if the baby isn't registering the face, they're hearing the voice, right? And then there's that ability later when grandma does show up, oh, that voice is familiar to me. Mm -hmm. So you can even FaceTime without holding the camera right in baby's face, right? There's that piece of it. The other thing is you're using the tool, the phone or computer as a way to maintain an existing connection. You're not displacing something. You know, it's a tool that allows you to maintain something that's important. So that's the first thing. The other thing is when it comes to screen time for young children, generally speaking, I do believe that delay, delay, delay as much as possible is a good philosophy. And I believe that parenting is hard. This pandemic has been awful for childcare and young parents with young children. And when we start judging each other, it doesn't make us want to do better. So if you're, again, parents will say, well, how much screen time is too much? And my answer is always a little bit's okay and a lot is too much, which isn't very helpful. But what right. I mean by that is, look, you're homesick or you have to work and your kid can't go to daycare. If there's a movie or Coco Melons playing on, it, one or two days, that's not going to ruin them forever. And, you know, there are definitely books and articles you can read that will scare you about that. But to me, this is about balance again. Like you're not feeding chocolate cake to your kid for three meals a day, but I hope they get cake sometimes, right? Like it's the thing that we just have to moderate it. And I do think there are some safety considerations for parents. You know, anytime you can provide, for example, a TV versus a, a tablet, that's better in terms of the distance, right? You don't want mm. a little kid, the posture, the eyes, the neck, all of that, when we have a device on our lap is a very different physical experience than a TV farther away. So that's a simple thing we can do. We can really be intentional about what we let our kids watch. I do not recommend YouTube and that's hard because YouTube has some great stuff, but the algorithm will push content that your kids you don't want your kids to see, right? So we, and, and I include YouTube kids in that, right? So anytime you can find an alternative streaming platform that's either ad-free or, you know, regulated in a some sort of a way is going to be better for kids. That's safer for them. So that's one, one, another idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a great tip. And, and the tablet TV distinction, I think is good. I know that, so kind of a example-based question is, there are a lot of parents experience this where you have a young child and maybe they're a young toddler, maybe like, so my daughter's 17 months, so say they're around that age and they just get cranky and fussy. And sometimes, yeah. I'm not going to lie to you, putting yeah. on like, you know, a Disney movie, like Encanto right now is the big one. Oh, right. So it's great. And so I personally, the way I've kind of, I don't know if it's justified or rationalized, but like I kind of have this little personal belief that it's more of a quality content. And so yeah. it, 
sometimes I just want to chill out and watch something for 20 minutes. So what do you recommend putting a limit on it saying it's okay if it calms them down or is calming them down using that as a parenting tool instead of actually parenting them? So that's kind of the mental dilemma that, um, that I think love it. No, that's a great question. And, and again, I want to always start by saying like, I'm not judging people, right? Again, we're doing the best we can. Here's the thing about um, technology and tantrums and, 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 and parenting. The mm-hmm. problem is the short term, it works. In the short term, the tantrum stops. Here's my phone. Here's a game. Let's turn on a show. But in the long term, we have to think about what message we're giving, which is that when you melt down, you get screen time. Now, occasionally, if that's what the solution is, again, a little bit, it's okay. The problem is we don't want to create the expectation that when I'm having big feelings, I fix the feelings by looking at a screen because think about us, right? So that's part of it. The other thing that parents really have to understand, and again, not all screen time is the same. So like Mm -hmm. a movie is a little bit different than a game. A lot of these products, apps, and the games in particular are designed to be addictive. And when I say that word, it's scary sounding, but really it has, the tech companies have hired developmental psychologists to design Mm -hmm. products that tap into our neural pathways that give us the dopamine rush that make Mm -hmm. us feel good. So I'm hearing you say the tantrum before the screen time, but I bet a lot of parents listening also have the experience of the tantrum after the screen time, when it's over, when it's time Mm -hmm. to turn it off. And what's happening is that that feel good hormone has been interrupted. We are like hijacking away this thing from them. And so I always say to parents, it's not a fair fight. You're not fighting with your child. You're fighting with their hijacked neural pathways. And so it's a three, it's like, it's like a triangulated conflict. It's not you versus your child. It's you versus the tech companies that have designed this addictive product and their, and your child's brain. So again, being intentional about what, So I, here's an alternative because I don't ever want to criticize the solution if I don't give you something to do. Think about, I love that you used Encanto because the music's wonderful. It's a great movie. I loved it. What about just the music? What if it's audio only? Audio is a Mm. very safe form of digital for children. And it's tricky because it has to be controlled by a screen, you know, so parents have to still be intervening on that. But what if it's, I can see you're upset. You just need some downtime maybe. What if we turn on the music and here's your favorite pillow? Or what if you just want to come snuggle with me, right? Again, sometimes it might be, let's snuggle and watch a movie together. And I always say like screen time as a family is connecting. Mm -hmm. Screen time as a family when parents are on their devices and a movie is playing is not connecting. So Mm -hmm. we just have to be honest about what it is we're doing when we're doing it. And I think kids learn. So we want them to learn that when there's a tantrum, there's other ways that we help them and support them through that tantrum. And sometimes it's a screen and sometimes. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that it's just important to remember. And when you stop to think about it, like you said, awareness, you think, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense, but maybe it's, oh, we're going to have a little snack. And I love that idea of the speaker, like even on an Alexa speaker, which most people have, you can play, like we do classical music on there sometimes, which I feel like is nice, but Okay. So I love that just having options and that if some days you do do a movie, that's okay, but not relying on it as almost rewarding the behavior. Okay. Yeah. And you say it, you can name it. You can say today is a day that we're going to do a movie and Mm -hmm. and other days we don't do that. 
We can just put a time around it. It's okay to do that. You get to make the rules. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, this is very helpful. I love the solutions too. So um, you mentioned not all screen time and not all content is created equal. And so I mentioned Coco Melon a little earlier because that's sort of the hot one right now you hear a lot about. And I have read some of these articles that maybe freak you out a little bit about how the actual images of Coco Melon are so bright and so fast that kids get hooked on it. So have you heard that? Or, you know, is that something that people should look out for? I know it's on Netflix and YouTube, so you Mm. can kind of avoid the YouTube problem there, but that's a really good point. And actually there's a wonderful Ted talk by a doctor here. Um, Dr. Dimitri Christakis, who did a Ted talk on pacing and screen time. Mm. And he does a lot of research on the speed. And one of the things I love, there's, there's a great clip within that, that shows the difference between shows like Sesame street and Mr. Rogers. Do you, I don't know if you even remember Mr. Yeah. Rogers was my childhood, yeah. <laughs> but those shows, if you were to go and watch an episode of Mr. Rogers right now, you would probably just die of boredom because it is so slow paced. Mm -hmm. But what's beautiful about it is it's developmentally appropriate for toddlers and young children because they learn their brains aren't firing rapidly at, I mean, they are, but not at the fast pace that a screen today is going to be doing. So pacing matters. And I don't, I haven't actually watched Cocomelon. I've just heard a ton about it. And there's, you know, always going to be new popular shows, but I actually think that's a very important point is to, it would be very here, try it, right? Go look up an episode of Mr. Rogers, put Mm -hmm. it on with your toddler, observe the behavior afterwards, and then try it with an episode of Coco Melon or Mm -hmm. try it with a just audio listening to music and playing with, you know, some blocks or something. So if you can do your own little built-in experiments to see how the reactions change, but it is hyper-stimulating, right? And that again, creates the problem when the screen time ends kids are really wired and they have all this excess energy. And mm-hmm. then you get either misbehavior or outbursts or tantrums or meltdowns. And those are exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that is the thing about Cocomelon. Cause at first I used to play it, but then we, you know, my husband and I can't stand it. And it's so jarring. Um, yeah. if you watch it and you compare that to the little mermaid, which is from like, I don't even know how yeah. old it is at this point, but it's, it's so different. So 30 years old. Yeah. yeah. I think, what about, here's another suggestion. Can you do Coco Melon as audio only? Yeah. I mean, again, I know it makes maybe you and your husband crazy, but there's another way of like, again, that sort of happy medium. If the kids are liking it and you just say, oh, the TV doesn't turn on right now. Or you can just say, we're only going to listen to it today. Maybe Mm -hmm. tomorrow we'll watch it. I don't know. That's just another idea. (laughs) No, I think that's a really good one because the songs might be fine, but it might be the bright, bright colors and all of that. So, um, so much to think about, but I think some of it is just stepping back for a second and thinking about what's actually going on. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, I want to hear from you. Send me an email to momscallingpod at gmail.com. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review this podcast. See you next week for another episode of Mom's Calling on the Believe Network. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.